Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. This is Craig Moorhead. And I am Sean Harwell, and this is the podcast where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. Mm, that's right. If you're looking for us for an online presence of Never Heard of It, you can find us at I am. neverheardpodcast.com. Uh, on the Twitters, you can find us at neverpodcast, at neverpodcast, right? That's right. And uh, otherwise... Look to your right. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> We're right behind you. So, today we're going to be talking about the 2016 movie. This is our newest movie. Wait. This is our uh, the most recent movie. That doesn't make any sense either. I know. It's hard to talk about this. It's, it's 2016. <laughs> this is our first 2016 movie. And I just... We should be clear... This movie was released in 2016. This is not... Yeah. Right. Yeah, either way, this is weeks old. This is a baby. Yeah. I mean, this is oh, still yeah, an yeah, infant, yeah. this movie. No one no yeah. one has really gotten a lot of claws into this one. So, right, this is kind of breaking news. Um, yes. You're not going to... Not only you know? that, I think this is our first true-to-form horror movie that we've talked about, right? It is. And, uh, and, that's, and that's that fun. was one of the reasons why I chose it. Um, uh, the other reasons being that it was Phil uh, Janou who directed it. Uh, Janou. And I, I love Three O'Clock High, and he directed the movie Three O'Clock High. Um, and uh, Thomas Jane is in it. He's great, you know. It was written by Robert oh, Ben Thomas Grant, uh, Grant, I believe, who uh, he's written a bunch of, uh, your or co-written a bunch of your big Hollywood blockbusters. He is, and uh, he is also... One of the stars and creators of Reno 911. Um, yes. He played uh, De- uh, Officer Junior or Deputy Junior. <laughs> I, I love that show, and I've I've been a big fan of Robert Van Garant and, and Thomas Lennon as his writing partner. Um, you definitely probably know them from the state if you're of a certain age and watched mm-hmm. MTV growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a really like as a writer, it's been interesting to watch those guys develop this career because. Like you were saying, like they've done the pacifier and Herbie fully loaded and every taxi. Yeah, taxi, every single one of the Night at the Museum movies, which yep. were, were monster hits, you know. And those these family things uh that you know have this kind of large appeal and all these set pieces involved and are written for big stars, those are hard to write, man. Um and these guys are constantly employed. Um so, if that interests you at all, definitely check this out for that. I had no idea he had written this or had any sort of uh, branches into the horror world whatsoever. So, that was kind of interesting to see. Um, and they also have a book that's supposed to be super funny um, about yes. screenwriting, which I'm dying I to I have read. that book. Do you? Uh, okay. Screenwriting for Profit. <laughs> there is actually good great, advice in there, but it's mostly uh, just very, very funny. Well, Craig, can I ask, where did you hear about this movie? Uh, I, I saw it in 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 a tweet, in, in a, a tweet? promoted tweet. Okay. I'm on Twitter yeah. occasionally, and I saw it. Uh, I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, uh, but they were they. Uh, it, it seemed to be a friend of Thomas Jane's who was saying that he's uh, amazing in this movie. It's just out now on Netflix, The Veil, and yeah, it just hit all of my sweet spots. It was horror. It was Phil directing it. I knew everybody in it, so I was just very curious about why it's on Netflix and and. Is it good? Can can Phil uh, can Mister Jonu capture his past glories? 
He's actually done uh, quite a number of, of things and, and was doing uh, some pretty big uh, studio stuff, I think, in the late 90s uh, or all through the 90s. So that's how I heard about it. Now, cool. Sean, so what were your impressions? Going into this, what were you expecting? I, you know, I, I was excited when you, when you mentioned who the director was because it's like you, I sort of um, you know, look at 3 O'Clock High as one of these you know, extremely underrated or I mean, I don't even know if that's the right word at this point. Cause I do feel like it's fine. Like the, you know, it's found this cult audience, um, but a really cool eighties movie. I was trying to think of how to describe it to people who haven't seen it. It's just extremely stylistic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, I mean, it's almost like a spaghetti Western overtone Yeah, meets John Hughes, which sounds like some Tarantino thing, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> but, right. but it's not like it, it definitely does not have, like that fingerprint so but it um, is kind of that thing where movies of that time and and of you know that sort of a budget level tended to be pretty flat at least visually mm-hmm. and yeah, for i mean sure. three o'clock high is the exact opposite of that like yeah. i th- i think about i mean i actually watched a few clips of it uh, again and it was just every scene is just uh at, at the very least, it's very visually exciting and interesting. Just and the pace of it, like everything, mm-hmm. was really, really tight. Yeah, and it's not you know when you say the other movies of the era weren't that stylistic, maybe, but even now, like comedies don't always get that treatment, right? Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really fun one to watch for that specific reason. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, I didn't you know I didn't have much to go on. I, I don't know Jessica Alba's filmography that well. I was mm-hmm. trying to remember what that big TV show that she was on. You know that wasn't a big draw for me. I honestly did not know Thomas Jane was in this. Maybe you told me. You know, I would show you my notes, but it's kind of embarrassing. I was like, this guy sounds so familiar. <laughs> like, what is that voice? I, and I wrote down Thomas Jane question mark, and then I saw it in the end credits. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And yeah, that makes yeah. total sense and really cool. Um, definitely a fan of his. Mm-hmm. But just based on the title, I wasn't sure. I kind of thought, you know, A, I was expecting to see a real veil in the movie somewhere. Sure. Which was sort of making me think of, like... You know, the old woman in the house that's got the veil over her face and, you know, or the bride that died at the altar, you know, right. something of those sorts to kind of fill that um, that space of those required scares. Why don't you let me do a quick synopsis, shall we? I will. Okay. Have fun. Okay. This is actually from IMDb. Uh, 25 years after members of a religious cult committed mass suicide, the lone survivor returns to the scene of the tragedy with a documentary crew in tow. Um, And that's about as bare bones of a synopsis as you could get. But if I had read that prior to the movie, it definitely, I think, would have changed my expectations a little bit. So I I didn't know. I was like, oh, okay, this has something to do with a cult that is very much, you know... Thomas Jane is kind of presented to be the Jim Jones sort yes. of type. Uh, he looks a little bit like Jim Morrison as well. <laughs> you know, right. um, I, I think the peak of the cult or the suicide takes place in the mid '80s in the movie. Yeah, or yeah, it was '85, I think. Something yeah, like he definitely still has like a '70s vibe to him, though, as a character sure. for sure. I mean, he's like a rock star. He's wearing rings and jewelry and stuff. Um, but then also the Heaven's Gate cult, obviously, was tapped on a little bit. Um, the name of the cult in this movie is Heaven's Veil, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously where the title reference came from. And I don't know. Like, I kind of liked that. Like, uh, you know, I liked the – this is so stupid. I liked the font of the title when it appeared on screen. 
<laughs> it just yeah. presented itself in a way that I thought was interesting. And look, you know, um, I mean, the basic plot of this is you're setting up kind of a found footage film, um, right. which has obviously been all the rage since Paranormal Activity in this particular genre. And um, to note, this was supposed to be a found footage movie. Yep, I read that today. Uh, but then they kind of felt like it had been played out, so they, they rewrote it uh, for this. But yeah. and, and yet, it still kind of is, but the found mm-hmm. footage in, this, in question here are the films that this cult filmed themselves on like 16 millimeter or 8 millimeter or something like that. They discover the actual canisters. It's not just kids walking around with a video camera. But, um, you know, the plot is taking this girl that was the survivor. She doesn't know who her parents were. She doesn't know her name even other than the one that she was told because she was three when they all died. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she doesn't know why she also was not given the poisoned sugar cube that they all took um, to go be with whatever God they believed in. Um, And so, you know, basically... This movie is is existing to show us the answers to this girl and and what right. that's going to be and you know I I thought there were some decent twists I thought there were some good scares I do scare easily um, <laughs> I mentioned prior to this podcast that I would tell this story about my own horror threshold and I find it still extremely embarrassing please not even sure my wife knows this but. One of my first experiences, maybe the first, being scared by something on a screen was I remember my mom left the house to go get do some errand, and I was left watching the VHS tape of Michael Jackson's Thriller and the making of Thriller. And when he changed into a werewolf, yeah. I bolted out of that damn room so fast and hid behind the curtain in my bedroom until my mom came home terrified it's honest to god you were 18 i was 19 19 years old wow (laughs) Wow. uh no i was a very young child um Mm -hmm. i remember distinctly watching children of the corn at a friend's house that had one of those gigantic satellite dishes when we were young that scared the crap out of me yeah uh nightmare on elm street 3 same thing you know, which was doubly disappointing because I already knew that, like that Dawkins song, you know, I had seen the music video. Right. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't consider myself an aficionado um, mm-hmm. of the genre and uh, also a, a great big wussy. So this movie, well, I had, you know, I, there, there's some issues that I think we can point out and we'll get to. At the end of the day, I just felt like it kind of worked, like it kind of held my interest enough primarily because of that cult element and because Mm -hmm. of it kept flashing back well or using the these found film canisters to what actually happened and why they committed suicide and there's some cool interesting stuff there that was sort of almost more supernatural than horror i thought right um and so I th- I don't know by the and I thought Thomas Jane was so kind of compelling that by the end of it I sort of forgave its faults. Sure. And look, this movie's got like a it had a one and a half star rating on Netflix. So I know yeah. yeah, I mean like I guess I don't know if people are hating it or what, but that's my take. We can get into it more specifically, but you on the surface, Mr. Horror himself, Greg Moorhead. <laughs> did you like it? Uh I I also responded most to the cult 
sections of the movie, I feel like that delivered the most interesting stuff, and it gets it only gets more interesting it goes as it goes along. Mm-hmm. The veil uh, is is certainly looks very solid. It has an at the very least a capable cast. Sure, there's no one in there who's who's not pulling their weight. Uh, they have. Um, uh, what's his name? I think it's Reed Scott. I don't know if anybody knows who Reed Scott is, but if you ever watch Veep, he's one of my favorite dudes on Veep. I was oh, really? really excited to see Reed Scott in there. Oh, I didn't know. Which So who did he play? Because, he played yes. Nick. You had a good setup. You see the suicide. You see the CNN footage of this mass suicide. People are there, and then they find this girl sitting amongst all these dead people, and she says, don't worry, they're not really dead, or, or they'll come back, or something like uh, that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Great opening. Totally solid. And then, uh, you know, flash forward to uh, Sarah Hope, who is that little girl grown up, and uh, and Jessica Alba's trying to get her to be in this documentary about the cult. And I believe she, the actress that yeah. plays Sarah Hope, uh, Lily Rabe, um, mm-hmm. I think was on American Horror Story. Is that correct? That's what I understand, too. I've not yeah. seen the season that she was in. Okay. I don't know, but, but I suspect people listening to this probably have and may know her from that. Right. So. Okay, so Jessica Alba, goes, she's basically the director of the documentary. Yeah. Um, you know, we find out why she's making the documentary, which is because her father was one of the FBI agents that showed up mm-hmm. at the and, mass suicide. And who later killed himself yes. because of dealing with all of that. All that um, stuff. So she wants to know exactly what went on, too. Mm-hmm. And she's got, what, like a, uh, it was about a five-man crew. Um, her brother's the editor. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you know, she introduces them all. There's a gaffer. There's a PA. There's right. uh, cinematographer, basically. And They've all been together for a long time. Yeah. And this is the kind of the first passion project for all of them. I want to predict something. Okay. <laughs> the first time your eyes rolled. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Was it when... You've got a group of young people essentially going into the woods, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. this compound is way off the beaten path. They're in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's a kind of creepy farmer guy who lets them in. Um, and they've got this very mysterious woman who has a very prominent historical connection to what happened here in Sarah. Right. I'm going to say by the end of those first few hours there, when they decide to stay the night, is that... Did your eyes roll? Or is that when you were like, no. okay, come on? No. I, I can honestly say I'm, I'm with it up until then. I'm, I, I'm a big fan okay. of horror movies happening in the woods. Uh-huh. So, so that's fine. You, you know, you, there are definitely some hurdles to clear later on that maybe yep. don't get totally cleared. But, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% into that. Like, okay, well, let me ask you. Okay. As an editor, yes. if you were the editor on a documentary... That primarily takes place at a a well known mass grave, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you stay the night? Would you be willing to camp the the night there before anything happens bad? Right. Yeah. Or would you? Is is a cheap hotel too much to ask as a crew member <laughs> working on a low budget documentary? My my feeling is first of all, my feeling is I wouldn't even be there. Right. There's that. But the because editor is her brother, wants the right? editor there during that. But but yeah, yeah, exactly. The editor is her brother. We do see it sort of demonstrated a little while later that mm-hmm. that she kind of snaps her fingers and he's like, "Oh, okay. You know, he's he's the younger brother. Yeah. It is his father who hung himself. So, you know, he's as invested as anybody." Sure. Um So, you know, I I'm 
I was still fine with all of that because okay. they're a bunch of young people. They're making their first passion project documentary. This is kind of a part of it. I kind of wish they'd played up that a little bit. Yeah. But Alba's, uh, darn it, what, oh, Maggie. <laughs> Maggie is Alba's name in the movie. So Maggie's um, motivation is so serious. There, there, there can't really be anything, I don't know, light about it, I guess. It's like she wants to know why her father committed suicide. And yeah. Lily Rabe is trying to figure out why she's the only one who survived a mass suicide. So it's like, yeah, it's not. doesn't seem like the most fun, guys. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, okay, but this is but good yeah. to know. Okay, so yeah. yeah, within that template of a thousand horror movies of kids going into the woods, you're totally on board with it up to this point. And yes. Okay. Well, I can tell you. Are, are you still trying to guess when my? No, I'm not. Are? I'm no. I'm done. Because I can tell you when it is. Yeah, I think I have we should. Here. I, well, I'll just I'll say this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they draw a lot of attention to the fact that they're staying there and that you know it's handled efficiently. Mm-hmm. I did ask the question. Hmm. I don't know. Would I really camp there to make this right. documentary? Or right. would we just take the van that we have back every night and come back in the morning? Because you can't shoot at night, really. Well, but they are they are pretty far away. Yeah, They're, they're I, about, I what, feel, 25, like, 45 minutes away from civilization, I think they say, right? Right. Yeah, near Salem, um, whatever. So, I, you know, I, and I don't know. I mean, honestly, you might want to shoot some stuff at night. He does. He's, he shoots a time lapse at night. That's true. He, he shoots a bunch of stuff. So I kind of feel like, yeah, they, they might they might just stay there. Okay. Um, so that did not bother me. Okay, um, good. The, the, the first thing that really made me wince in the horror movie cliche vein was the fact that nobody had bars on their phones. And I just felt like I would already feel so much more interested if they had, if they could couldn't call anyone they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, and like let that play out and, and see how you can work it so that that is is used because anytime it's like that it's like oh we don't have any like I don't know I feel like if they even had thought about it for a second they would have already known they're not going to have bars up there right um, and, and then what are you going to do if there's an emergency which then there is because the van disappears and they find it crashed into a tree and Ed who I can't remember what he does on the show on the shoot but Ed is dead yeah, I, the bars on the phone thing is kind of interesting too because, like, as a writer, there and there's nothing worse than trying to write like cell phone conversations. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and nobody does, you know, you can sit in your head and think nobody wants to see this, and yet, no. I think in this situation, it was probably easy for them to, to justify there would not be a cell right. signal here in yes. this location. So and let's just address it and and forget it, and then we don't ever have to. Cell phones never come up again. I mean, they don't even open their cell phone to like use it as a flashlight. You know, right, um, right. it never. They don't. I don't even think we see them like yeah. in that and scene. It, and I guess that's the thing. It's not even that I wouldn't believe they wouldn't have bars. I hundred percent believe it. Mm-hmm. I just, it just like I, I just wish there was something more interesting. I agree. To be done than eh. that's a challenge. It's a challenge yeah. to figure out what to do in the modern age when, yeah, accessibility is is right there at your fingertips yeah. almost anywhere. Well, and and they have tons of equipment. Tons. Is there 80 any, grand worth of equipment, they say. Is there any part of them that would think, well, maybe we should have like a device that we could contact someone in case there's uh, an emergency? Like a GPS satellite phone? Something. Sat yeah. phone? A little sat phone. <laughs> Everybody needs a sat phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's always a tough question that you got to ask is like, <laughs> Yeah. Even when you're writing a movie like uh, that's that's set in the present, it's just like 
a character asks a question that can easily be answered by Google. Right. Does anyone want to watch Google on their in a movie? No. Like you, it's it's. I think it's fun to see how writers and filmmakers address that. Yeah. Because none of us want to shoot it, like you know, or or just you have to make it part of the plot, you know. Right. Right. We find out they have no bars. Like they're trying to get back to that house. She's trying to take them to that house. Yeah, and that's the bit where she walks on water. That go across, which the was lake. really good. I I, I really yeah. liked that moment. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it was just turns out to be just a shallow strip of of you know land yeah. there on a, on a small pond. But right. yeah, it looks really cool. And on the other side of this pond is the house where the Jim Jacobs character Thomas Jane resided primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah, it was yeah. like this was kind of his place. The two things I knew about the place was that was kind of his place, and that apparently, and this I had a hard time swallowing too, unfortunately, uh, whenever the FBI came in and took care of the whole situation, they just never found that house. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I mean, you did have to walk across water to get there, I get that, but I mean, we're talking about the FBI. Yeah, they would. So I kind of feel like if there was a house out there, they would have found it, and that, and that creates more problems a little bit later, but anyway... Um, but they find uh, the house. Yeah. Let me, well, let's get out of the plot thing for just a second. Sure. Um, cause it dawns on me, the first scare I had in this movie happened before this. Oh, okay. What was the first scare? I'm guessing you had not been scared at all by that I, I wasn't. I, and, 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 and I'll say this too. <laughs> I, I do have a, a, a high threshold for movie scares. Are you saying Michael Jackson didn't scare you when he turned into a wolf? no. Yes, <sighs> I mean yes, it did. But see, I'm the guy who who likes that scared feeling. You got excited by it, okay? So it doesn't. So it's not. It, it was never something that repulsed me. It was always like, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, but that's the thing. Like this. Uh, so if a movie doesn't really get its hooks into me, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't kind of get jump scared. Okay, well, I totally get jump scared. And yeah. there was one fairly early on where. Uh, Sarah is walking past I think the, the kind of initial house is at the front of the property mm-hmm. um, and she's either hallucinating or flashing back to seeing a body <clears throat> on the porch of this house underneath a, the um, plastic that the FBI uses or whatever and she walks up to it I don't remember if she lifts it or over the hand Anyway, you see this jump coming. A mile. I mean, you see that yeah. coming a mile away. Absolutely, it still scared me. That's what I'm saying. That's who I am. It still scared. Yeah. Like I still just like you know, my body just tenses up when those things happen, and then I kind of <laughs> laugh, which is obviously the joy of, of horror movies. But it is. I was yeah. going to say it's 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 kind of like having a low tolerance for alcohol, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Where if you have a low tolerance for alcohol, that means you really get your money's worth. The party is on. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to spend a whole lot, and you're having plenty of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, that's good. Uh, yeah. I- I'm glad that was working on you. <laughs> I also don't remember, but I, there was an interesting scene that was flashback in the, in the first 30 minutes of Thomas Jane's character. Um, there was you remember there was an African-American girl who was essentially brain dead. Like, they're in a room... That yeah, it looks like it's yeah a hospital. There's a regular doctor, a regular nurse at the foot of the bed, mm-hmm. and Thomas Jane is you know uh, it, at this point kind of looks like a snake oil salesman miracle worker, right by right. the side of the bed with the this poor girl's mother, and 
that scene took like an interesting turn from like uh, he's like using somewhat of biblical phrases to like you know compel the demon out of this child but then mm-hmm. turns to the mother and was like he says something about whispered the truth to me about yeah. what happened. Something you know. happened yeah. like the night that she fell into a coma or something and yeah. it's horrible and you haven't told anybody you have to tell me. Yeah, and she she does and then he goes he into... convulses, yeah. falls to the floor, he's having a fit um, and you know they're trying to help him and the little girl's hand moves and she wakes up and comes out of this coma. Yeah. And so I'm still not entirely sure how to connect that to the... To some of the rest, unless that little girl was then the Sam character, the nurse later, yeah, yeah. Which I, maybe I, I didn't she, even make that connection until just now. I well, I it's, it's a reason for me, but I do think maybe that's one of the only flashbacks you had, and this kind of bothered me because I, I was like, okay, who's flashing back to this? Like, is this right. just gonna? Are we just gonna have like this parallel action of seeing these scenes from the past? And this other stuff from the present with Jessica Alba and these people. Um, but then the rest of them happened through the device of those found film canisters, I think, yes. unless there's another one. But there is something to the way that was presented that made me feel like they really had to mess around with this in editing and, yeah. and, and some of the stuff that happened later. That's a good point. Because it's a very interesting scene by itself. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there's, there's a part of me that um, that I think a lot of the tension for me was sucked out of this movie because we get we kind of get a lot of that kind of stuff early on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, he made that happen. So he's like he's basically a magical dude. And then and then you start to have this thing where everybody can hear these whispers once they're in the house. So I'm like, okay, that house is haunted. Right. You know, like there's never a, a, a really strong feeling of is this all bullshit or is this did this really happen? Is this guy yeah. just a, a crazy cult leader or does he actually have powers? And and I wish that there had been a lot more of that. Cause I would and that, in the first that half or total? I, I kind of feel total, but, okay. but, but mainly, mainly in the second half. Because I feel like once they're in the house, it's like, I, I, I don't know, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot left to figure out yeah. as far as are you in danger and is this place filled with magical supernatural stuff that That's true. You, you can't get your head around. At that point, we're like, no, this place is absolutely terrible. Yeah. You got to get out of here, right? And that's where that kind of kicks in. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting because I did sort of feel like in that in those first in that first half, like, okay, yeah, where exactly is the tension coming from? What exactly is the mood of this film? And like, I think for me and plot, like, yeah, it, like that's what I sort of gravitate to. Those are the horror films, I guess, that end up sticking with me that mm-hmm. I do seek out, or the ones that have like those kind of like strong elements and not. Yeah, I'm not going after the jump scares because clearly they work too well. (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, think about The Ring, for instance, which that's a movie that scared me deeply. Yeah. And I think has a great kind of similar to this. It's like, what's going on? Why is this Mm -hmm. tape causing these things? Let's find out kind of mystery to it. And it's also really scary at the same time. Yeah, you have to suspend that. And that's tough to do really, really well. I, I will say for me, there was a change. Uh, and it was the second time I got scared out of my underwear was when they do go into the house and they find that back room where I don't remember if they got the lights on at this point, but you do find out there's been like film lights set up, you mm-hmm. know, and cl- this room is like clearly some sort of like significant room um, as far as 
documenting something of this cult happened right. here. And they then discover the corpse on the ground, kind of handcuffed to the uh, <laughs> yeah to the radiator, and Sarah ends up putting her hand in the corpse. I don't remember how that happened exactly. That was the like that like her reaction to the I thought was fantastic. Just, yeah, just like Ugh, it's like this like guttural body. Oh like, yeah, repulsion that I, that would have been me in a heartbeat. There was certainly yeah, an appropriate <laughs> amount of revulsion right. on the on the part of everyone involved. Yeah, running out of there as yeah. fast as they can, pouring yeah. hand sanitizer and water, and probably rubbing alcohol in her hand to get whatever it was that she just touched. Like that's exactly what my first thought was. Like uh, I'd never eat with my hand again. Got to get that off my hand. I don't yeah. care what it is. Um, so that definitely got me. And, yep. uh, but like you say, I think that's the, maybe the turning point then where they're kind of committed to that house in those few locations. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really venture out mm-hmm. beyond that. And you're right. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was still piecing all these, these separate things together, but yeah, maybe there isn't that much happening. I don't know. That's interesting. Like it didn't really occur to me because obviously this is when, you know, it's a horror movie. So people start getting killed. Right. <laughs> kind, kind of. Sarah's been having a lot of uh, scary dreams. Right. But yeah, I mean, I mean, so so now there's a corpse in there. They found all this film and they found, uh, you know, a videotape that's in a in a videotape recorder there. And so they decide to watch the videotape. Mm-hmm. It's in the recorder that's next to the dead body. And uh, so a little bit of this drove me crazy. First, the first part of this is just just being a snob. But I know I think I know what you're going to say. But go ahead. It just didn't look at all like VHS. Nothing. Nothing. And, and, and it was very it was like very After Effects plug-in sort of like put on the VHS effect. It's like and the uh, the uh, the film that the, they left behind as well it didn't oh, look yeah. anything like eight millimeter or sixteen millimeter. I mean, just I'll, to I'll the get point. on the fi- the film. All the film stuff drove me nuts. For a million I mean, reasons. But it didn't even look like they were trying to make it look no. like that. I mean... I, I, Except I, every it, now and again, they would pretend like there was a rollout or something. Yeah. And it boggles my mind as to why they didn't... Because it would have been creepier if they had, I yes. think. I mean, well, they should have shot all that stuff on 8mm. Yeah. But and here's VHS. the other thing, Sean. Every time they go in and watch one of those strips, every strip has like 10 angles. Yeah. And oh I was yeah! Like who's shooting all this? No, and it's perfectly held still, yeah. and and all this stuff. And so that and, was another <laughs> time that I figured, like they had to like let some stuff go in editing. Well, and what's funny about that too is one of the first things I noticed in this movie was when they the first bit of shooting that Jessica Alba and her crew do is is simply following Sarah as she's walking into the compound. Yeah, and you've got uh, the one guy Matt. I think his name's Matt. Um, or Max, who's the camera operator. Yeah, yeah. And then Jessica Elba's also holding a camera. They're both using DSLR, right? Right. They're like five feet apart, they're, and they're both behind Sarah. So they're essentially getting the exact same. I was yeah. just like, this, I mean, they're not, yeah, like, I, I, who would possibly be shooting this particular footage? And I do think, like, once, yeah, I found out that this originally was supposed to be a found footage film, and then they changed it and revised it. I, I feel like that is the weakness of this movie, that it, it feels like it got lost somewhere in the middle between those two things. Yeah. To the fact that I wonder if, God, I, I don't see how, but y- you almost had to, like, ask the question, like, yeah, were those 
those flashbacks, I mean, that stuff with Thomas Jane, because it doesn't look anything like VHS or, or eight millimeter, like not, were those not a little bit, not even a little uh, bit. Was it shot to not be? And then they added that stuff in later. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine because then it would just be straight flashback. Like, I don't know how that would work, but, um, right. Well, and, yeah. and, and there's also sort of the problem for me, although it was still interesting to watch those, those reels of film and yeah, I mean, there's cool stuff and happening in those things. Yeah. And, and, and again, like the, the cult stuff is kind of the most interesting stuff that happens, but then it, it kind of fell into a thing for me where it's like, so they all went here to figure out, you know, the secrets of this mass suicide. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to sit down on a couch and watch. And just watch it. Yeah. And record like, it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, why, why didn't you just take all the reels of film and get the fuck out of there? That also crossed my mind, too. Um, <laughs> and they kind of talk about... One of the first things I was like, okay, you found a corpse. Forget it. Like, you got to leave. You yeah. got to go call the cop. Because this is a crime Like, this is still yes. a crime scene. And they scene. say that. And I, and I 100% They do address it. But I was also was like, I no, I don't think there's an argument to be had... No. At that point, it's just like, uh, all right, we're all we're all just gonna walk. And I, yeah. I don't even know if they tried that. And Sarah was like, "No, I'm not leaving." But I, I do think Jessica Alba at one point was like, you know, she becomes the focal point of saying, "No, let's stay here. We came to do this." And I, I want to, I just want to talk about her performance for a second because mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know. It's a fine line. I thought on the one sense, I was glad that she was not overly aggressive in demanding that they stay and that she's so obsessed with this that they have to do this and that kind of thing. But on the other hand, it was almost too relaxed for me. <laughs> like yeah. I wanted like 10% more of her saying, you know, passionately why right. they should stay, like being persuasive in that manner. Or uh, I, I think maybe ideally, you know, if, if, if the, if the, if the movie could have not revolved around them sitting and watching movies, yeah. ideally it would be her doing crazier and crazier things to find out what's going on. Like, I, yeah. I'm going to climb that mountain because that's where the, you know, it's just like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, you're so nuts. Yeah. But yeah, or she going, doesn't have a yeah. lot of reason to demonstrate how passionate she is about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Let me ask one question that I didn't quite understand. They do set up the film projector. They watch those film canisters and they're also... Uh, they use the word digitizing, yeah. Um, which I didn't understand. I thought maybe they're just using their digital cameras to film it. That's what I thought. That's what they seem to be right. doing. But there's the girl that kind of reminded me of Darlene from Roseanne. Um, yeah. The sound girl. <laughs> who is, yeah, the sound girl. Uh, who I liked, actually. I yeah, like yeah. that actress, so she's good. Um, she's got like a mixer, and they're they're pulling up the levels of tracks from the different rooms in the house like i didn't yeah. understand there was what, never set up for that yeah it's like what uh, they got a microphone in every room and that's what yeah. the, i i didn't quite follow exactly what the or the process of yeah this was when it's at and now again we're not supposed to care but it becomes and you, you right. can't help but care because of because you're just I not guess it, seeing it happen. Yes, and 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 there there was a, a, a actually yeah that moment reminded me for for whatever reason of a little bit about Poltergeist. You know mm-hmm. you have that part of Poltergeist where these people come in to investigate what's going on and they have all this equipment, and and as I remember there there is something like that where where for whatever reason you're seeing empty parts of the house, 
Um, I can't remember what, 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 what scene that is. But yeah, exactly. Like I would have loved, I mean, why not just take a second and just say, hey, let's set up mics in each one of these rooms because we keep hearing this weird stuff. Um, but honestly, hearing the voices again and, and no one and everyone's like, oh, there are those voices again. Let's watch another one of these films. Yeah. And what, yeah. what do you mean? Like if you heard voices that were disembodied voices, why are you not going out of your mind? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So I don't know. That, that stuff... Uh, I don't know. It, it definitely started to lose me. But so we have Ed has crashed into a tree. Everyone knows that Ed is dead. They've put him on the ground, put a tarp over him, put rocks on top of the tarp, and say, okay, well, we're going to go first light. We're going back. We'll find somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up going back to the house to watch stuff. And then uh, Nick goes into the house for some reason. Well, he does. In fact, actually, this was my favorite comedic line. Yeah. Of the movie, I think it was at that moment. The generator dies. Uh, the guy notices that one of the spark plugs is burnt out. Yeah. So, of course, Nick again gets sent to go look for the spark plug by himself in the creepy house. And as he's going in frustrated, you know, the Matt goes, So, just yeah, a spark plug, it looks like this. And he's like, Oh, you mean it looks like a spark plug? Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I did, I genuinely laugh. Like, um, that, that character uh that little moment there uh yeah it yeah. worked for me and that is uh reed that's reed scott that's reed yeah. scott and uh yeah. and if you enjoyed that comedic moment i suggest you watch all of veep i got to i gotta uh, get on it okay cool i think this is the first i've seen of him but I, I did like that moment uh yeah and then he what meets his demise of sorts right so one way or another he ends up with a throat full of syringes i don't really think it matters why the whole point is that he dies <laughs> Right. I, I thought it would matter what he was being injected with because they showed uh, Thomas Jane being injected with this mixture that I made up myself, and and he he dies at some point and then Mercury. sort of inhabits another person's body in the room, and then he comes back to life. And this is kind of what he's always been trying to do: is he's been trying to figure out how to become immortal, basically. Yeah, it's the being John Malkovich thing a little bit. They, yeah. uh, it's the, the soul in search of a new body. Right, right, right. But I think it's interesting. It, I, it's, I like that. It's tremendously interesting. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's doing it and making it happen makes it even more interesting. Uh, what makes the movie less interesting to me a little bit is that you find <laughs> out, like, once you realize he can do that, right, then there doesn't see, there's no question anymore. There's no, it removes some of the tension I feel like I, I, I wish was there. Right, as to why, yeah, as to what they were trying to do. But so Nick dies, and then somebody asks where Nick is, and somebody yeah. says, oh yeah, I saw him heading out to the generator. So no mm-hmm. one knows that he's dead. And the yeah. minute that happened, Sean, I perked up. I was like, oh, okay, now this is getting interesting. Okay, cool. He goes out, the PA who has a crush on him is out at the generator, and he acts Bashes very friendly toward her. In. Yeah. And then uh, he bashes her head in with a wrench. And then next thing you know, the two of them are walking in the house. Yep. And I was like, I, I, I just felt a tremendous burst of energy there. And I was feeling great about the movie. At least I think you're right. Bit. And that's probably, it's an hour and a half movie. I'd say that's a good, eh, are we 40 minutes in probably before that happens? I think we're past halfway. Yeah, okay. I, okay. I, I think I, halfway I is when they decide probably, yeah. to go back into the house. And and sit there and watch movies, but but yeah, so so it's interesting. I know exactly what's happening though. Yeah, like I don't feel any question about what's happening. I don't have any questions about who's inhabiting his body. 
But yeah, so I'm saying I, I feel kind of ahead of the movie now. Let's talk about, okay, what, what did you like about the last act of this movie? What worked for you as a horror fan? Um, if anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's the problem. Not a lot. There, there was a point where someone, and I think it's when they're watching the movie, someone makes the comment, and this is, this is much later than the things we've been talking about. Someone says, oh, he's really not a fake. And all Jessica I could think was, that. I've known that since the first 10 minutes of the movie. You know <laughs> That's what I mean? true, yeah. And that's where that scene with the brain-dead girl actually probably works against yeah. your main characters having the same amount of knowledge as the audience. Right. Um, yeah, it's a good point. It feels like this could actually, be a point in the movie maybe where mm-hmm. realizing he's not a fake means you're in a lot of trouble because you're still here. Whereas it, you, mm-hmm. you thought you were protected because, oh, this is a lot of hogwash and we're just going to expose how dumb this cult was. But then you realize, oh, no, wait a second. He does have the power to do this kind of stuff. So now we're in trouble. So what worked for me was when we went back in time again. Yeah. And we see what happens when the FBI shows up. And we see what Jim Jacobs, who, even though he's been uh, you know, this very charismatic cult leader through the whole thing, um, he, he talks like a crazy cult guy. But he, he actually is figuring stuff out. Yeah. These things that he's saying, he can do. And when the FBI shows up, it reveals this other part of him that kind of shows he is not... He is, is, is not to the point where his ego is so big he would just let people die. Yeah. So, ba- you know, um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say more than that. I think let's leave it at that. Um, but, but I do think there's a murder in that well i mean it's a pseudo murder right. there's a there's a beating in that one of that those last sermons um yes. not the very last one yeah. uh that completely caught me off guard and was like holy cow thomas yeah. gene Ooh. and i um, think that was the he's not a fake moment yeah but but yeah exactly like when you're there in the cult when you're there with him in that moment mm-hmm. uh that worked great and and the FBI showing up at the end and that whole and like what is revealed there just felt very satisfying. Like mm-hmm. it, well, it felt like something was being revealed that I didn't know, and it just felt good in that moment. One of the things that I did like from the uh, the present story mm-hmm. was uh, Ed's yeah Ed's re- reappearance. Um, yeah, and then remember he takes that one girl. To the lake, and uh, I'll leave yes. it at that. But that, I the way they shot that, I thought, oh man, that's that's kind of yeah. That was like more creepy to me than, or just horrific. Like it's horrific watching that a little bit. Yeah, um, thought that was kind of interesting. And then uh, obviously, that character becomes somewhat important to the rest of the thing. Although, man, uh, the way things get resolved in this movie was a big letdown to me in that there's some significant action that happens as audio only at the very, very end. You know what I'm talking about? Which seemed a very curious decision to me. Yes. Because... Like it gave you the jump scare and then a whole thing happened. (laughs) A whole thing happens. Yeah. That you only hear. Yeah. Um, It's not a situation where your paranormal activity or you're Blair witching it and you're seeing, you know, 
the viewfinder of one of those DSLR cameras. So you're actually like seeing things. No, just there's straight black. Yeah. You hear some stuff and then it comes back. Um, right. Oh, the final scene was kind of cool with uh, Jacobs. F- final um, scene is cool. Thomas Jane definitely chooses scenery. Like he's got all that down. But it's still well, and I actually wrote in my in my notes the last note of the whole thing was the ending felt like the beginning of something better. Yeah, I feel like I would have to watch that monologue like two or three more times to, to crack the code of what the hell you were saying. There was yeah, there was some <laughs> like of it's it, all it, it sounds cool like and it, like yeah. you know the delivery is great and it, it sounds like maniacal and but also sort of like pseudo intellectual or at least spiritual and yeah. you know philosophical. But I, I don't know what it was <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised by the resolution of Jessica Alba's storyline. I will say that. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, I did, didn't understand the, the point of that not, beyond not, it's cinematic. Yeah, me either. Me either. Um, so that was a bit puzzling to me when that's... I, I, I guess you could argue that she's not the main character. Um, well, and in some ways, I actually wrote, is she the antagonist? I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> she's not what you might call uh, the bad guy, but she's, yeah. Yeah, so by the end of it, you know, definitely there were some execution things there in that last little bit yeah. that kind of didn't quite work for me. But, again, on the whole, I think I'm with you. I liked the cult stuff. I thought that was an interesting element. It really was. Uh, once again, we're talking about a movie where there's like an alternative faith and <laughs> like holy smoke we're kind yeah. of intrigued by this stuff and we're not getting the entire movie about that <laughs> so I, I don't know if we're just gonna have to go make like a cult movie or something <laughs> um yeah what would you are do you have any other because i think you've mentioned some but is there a simple fix that you think would have helped this movie significantly um I don't know if there's one simple fix, but I mean, there is There is just the thing for me where I feel like it might have been more interesting if we didn't know if he was full of crap so, or okay. not. Okay, until the end. Yeah, because I think, in yeah. real life, we've, I feel like we've all been raised to just think of cult leaders as just crazy guys with a messiah complex and, you know, they just want people to follow them and do weird stuff with them. And, you know, if we could have ridden that out a little longer... Might have, might have made things more interesting, but I still feel like all the stuff happening in present day needed some work too. So I don't know. I think I would have ditched the documentary idea. I just watched that movie, The End of the Tour. Uh, you know about that? It's the Jesse Eisenberg and uh, oh, Jason yeah, yeah. Siegel about David Foster Wallace. And I was thinking today about I, I really really liked that movie, but and there's there's a way that they use the simple like pressing record on a tape player mm-hmm. um, as having significance when someone's committing something to tape that I almost wish like this had just been an interview. Like she's just interviewing this girl, Sarah yeah. and they're going to this place. And then some of these things happen or conversely, yeah. if the movie had been about 1985 and there's a woman sent to interview Jim Jacobs and the whole movie takes place sure. in the, present of the the cult and then maybe your last 10 minutes or after that suicide or something like that would have been intriguing to me like that's something well i haven't seen before exactly absolutely or or what if uh kind of going off off that first idea you know what if alba goes and just interviews this woman and says by the way i found all these yeah all these film reels 
we're going to watch some of them or something. And and then, you know, halfway through the movie, the lady says, you know, I could take you out there. Like I, yep. I can get, you know, and and then and then it's, you know, then it kind of ramps up that way. Instead then of you're not for the, the entire thing. <laughs> then you're not sitting in a haunted house watching movies. Yeah, a haunted house <laughs> filled with corpses and rats. And you're and you're watching and a projector, baby. <laughs> yeah, they really oh, they really missed having some popcorn. I gotta say though, like nobody eats in this movie. Yeah, but they more than had anything, that's what bothered me too. <laughs> well, um, uh, let, let, two things just about the 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 very surface of the movie. Number one, it's desaturated to the point of almost being black and white the entire time. Yeah. And to the point where I wish it had been a little lighter. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved <laughs> like, to see a little more color and not felt like yeah everything is just dead. Everything is dead, and we must yeah like it felt already too dark. Like it was saying this is a horror yes, movie. I agree. Um, uh, but the but other- dark when there wasn't tension. Yeah, so it was just like well, I can't really see what's going on. <laughs> like to show me, like yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I th- or just like walk us into that darkness yeah don't start that yeah right yeah 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 or yeah t- t- take the color out as we go along or something mm-hmm. but i mean it just jumped out i mean right at the beginning it was like so contrasty and dark the other thing that i that i kind of liked off and on was the choice uh and i have no idea this could also just be an after effects thing but i don't know why it would be but they were using an anamorphic lens that really distorted the the size of the frame and i mean it was through the entire thing yeah i was really fascinated by that like anyone on the side of the frame just becomes very skinny Uh, well that and that was a problem is that yeah it wasn't framed they wasn't staged as as, uh, you know a way to not be noticeable or distracting i mean i kind of wonder what happened there well i i don't know i mean honestly i just felt like that that was a choice for one reason or another that was a choice because i mean it was it's very noticeable throughout the entire thing yeah um, uh, I can't remember. I'm, if I'm was... glad you mentioned that because I just assumed it was something with my stream or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Okay, let's talk about it. I have a question for you. Why don't you play in hell? That seems very hurtful. Is very hurtful. Is the name of a movie? Mm-hmm. Have you have you heard of it? It's from Japan, so it's probably called something else in Japanese. Just a guess. Uh, it came out in Japan, Craig, in 2013. Came out to these here American states, 2014, and it starts some Japanese people. I don't think you've heard of. So that's what you're getting from me. Well, I'll tell you what. I it sounds familiar. Okay. I'm sure people ask you that very question all the time. Why don't well, you play yeah, and so it's yeah, it's, it's like kind of hard away. to separate those two things. But okay. um, it sounds familiar, but it also sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm just going to say I've never heard of it. I like that compromise. Great. Uh, this is streaming on Amazon. Go check it out and come back next time, and we'll, we'll get into it. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well, Craig. And uh, everybody out there, you have a good night and God bless. sleep tight.